0: Discipline, it's discipline that makes you a good soldier, or so so said my ROTC instructor in junior high school, in high school, junior ROTC. He said, you cannot allow distractions to throw you off the path or to hinder you or to distract you or you'll never be a good soldier. That's what he said. So what is discipline? Discipline. It is training, it is training that corrects, molds, perfects the mental faculties or moral character, that's what the dictionary says. It is meant to control by enforcing obedience, self-control, like being in the military. It is meant to train or develop by instruction and exercise, especially in self-control and to impose order. I will reference uh, some of what Pastor Billy said last week, which was a powerful sermon. I, I don't know if you can still get it on YouTube or not, but um, it, it's really worth watching again. I know I had, to, I had to watch it twice to really kind of ingest all that was shared. But um, I'll reference some of those things as I, as I go along here. But I pray that Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our collective hearts will be pleasing. In your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So why discipline? Well, God wants the future generations to be his children. And fathers have the primary responsibility for setting the example, for showing God his children. Ultimately, a father's responsibility is this, to show his children God. Ultimately, the responsibility of fathers is this, to show his children God. There's a scripture that talks about this in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, Can you put that on the screen? Hebrews, oh, it's there, thank you. Um, Therefore, since we are, Surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Go ahead, everybody. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you'll not grow weary and lose heart. In Your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father, addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make might of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline, for God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And everyone undergoes discipline. Then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us. We respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? The what they, they thought was best. But God disciplines us for our good in order. order. We can share in the no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Make level paths for your feet. Why don't we say that all together? Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Again, that's from Hebrews chapter 12, referencing some of the things that Pastor Billy said last week in that regard, that it's the love of God that's manifested through a father. And I I appreciate the songs that were chosen and sung with us here this morning. The song of love that the father sings over his children. So a father, while he has to be the disciplinarian in a house by God's command, if it's not done in love, then it becomes harsh. We've all seen examples of that in the past where there's no love, just a command to do what is right, and that's harsh. But when done in love produces a great harvest like we just read, Pastor Billy said last week, Paul was a father to countless numbers of people, but he sired none of them, but he treats the congregation of people in Thessalonians as his father. In other words, he exhibited the love of God to them. And when they saw that, they could much more know the Father in heaven who is Father of love. The sad part of of all of this, and again, I'm referencing some of the things he spoke of last week. About 40%, or even in some cases, several states, more than 50% of births today are happening outside of marriage. So a father is not present. And this is a result of some of these happenings where fathers are not present, or where fathers are not exercising the discipline, the loving discipline that they are required by God to exercise. He says above um, seven times more likely are um, seven times more likely to become pregnant outside of marriage for women who don't have a father in the home of the discipline of a father, seven times more likely to have that, um, let's see, to grow up in poverty. Okay, that's what it was, grow up in poverty. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of all drug treatment centers are from fatherless homes. 85% of all incarcerated young grow up without a father in the home, I was thinking, oh my. 85% of incarcerated young grow up without a father in the home. Reminds me of a time not too long ago where there was the radio program Focus on the Family. The moderator had in his audience a prison warden. And they were talking about several things I don't remember most of what they talked about, except the final end where the warden said, "Let me tell you a story." He said, and he was over a men's prison. He said, "Come uh, Mother's day uh, a greeting card company executive came to them and said, "I'd like to give you greeting cards for all the all your prisoners who would like to send them to their mother so he uh, the warden ordered what he thought would be the right amount. Well, come time when they were signing up for it, they found they were short. So he quickly had to order some more. So when Father's Day came, they thought, he thought to himself, this time I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm going to order enough. So he did. Come Father's Day, you know how many requests there were for, for Father's Day cards? Zero. No requests for a Father's Day card. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, God. Where's the love of God? How can that ever be shared with somebody who's grown up and never experienced it? So I praise God for missions that are prison missions that are going on. And it behooves you, again, I'm repeating from what was said last Sunday, that you can be a, be a father image. It doesn't mean you have to be a male. You, you support and you help and you love someone fill the destiny to which God has called them. That's a, re- that's a requirement all of us can exercise as children of God. Love in action, as, again, as he said, that is a noun. God is referred to Father countless numbers of times. In fact, um, here are some of them. Deuteronomy 32.6, Is not your father your creator who made you and formed you? Malachi 2.10, Have we not all one father? Did not one God create us? He had in mind for each one of us to be his child. And each one of the people who dies without ever realizing that, oh my, you and I have an opportunity to share that love. Matthew 6, 9, which is the prayer that we'll be praying after a while. Our Father, who art in heaven, our Father. I'm so when Jesus gave us that prayer, what a, what a way to focus. I oftentimes have to remind myself rather than just saying it rotely. Our Father, oh God, you are my Father. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. I think those are some awesome requests of God. May your will be done here on earth, just like it is in heaven. So help each one of us to exhibit that love, because that is your will, right out of heaven. The word father is used in the Bible countless times. How many times do you think? Anybody want to have a guess? A hundred times 17, times 18, 1,800 times. And that's how often God, I mean, God wants to get the message through to each one of us about fatherhood. Now, it doesn't always, not in every one of those 1,800 times is it used in a positive sense. Sometimes it can be used just the opposite, where fathers have been negligent or where they have turned away from God, like the children of Israel did after a period of time, turning away from God, getting allured, lured in by the people around them. And so the people of God were becoming more and more sinful and less and less powerful, less and less loving. All you have to do is look around today and you can see that happening in our society. You know, I'm a product of the Depression era. I've seen a lot of things happening over the years, much to my grief when I look around today. And I think all the more the need for the love of God. Just as, again, from citing some of those statistics that I just did earlier, we can see how in dire need our land is of love, father love to children, to people. Again, ultimately a father's primary responsibility is to show his children God. For this builds integrity into a society. Let me just speak about that word integrity. Again, several years ago, I was reading a magazine article about a Chinese student who was in this country. This goes back maybe 15, 20 years ago. I always remember the story because it was so significant. He said, he was interviewed and said, "What, what do you find different about America than you have in China? And he said, the integrity of the people. Simple answer, the integrity of the people. And I mused upon that for some time. I thought the integrity of the people... He said, you don't need to have a policeman on every corner so that makes sure that people are not breaking the law. In other words, people have the integrity themselves to do what is right because many people, many people in this land have experienced the love of a father and that builds integrity into your heart. so I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think that's what Pastor Billy talked about last week. And then I added here Psalm 138.8, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. So how much does the love of God and the call to fathering concern you? Psalm 138.8 says, the Lord will perfect it. He'll bring it to perfection for you if that's the desire of your heart. Tremendous promise, a great and awesome promise. Hang on to it. Store it in your heart. Here's what Bill Gothard said. Many of you have attended some of his conferences over the years and past. The Lord will, um, I'm sorry, weren't I? As the Father goes, so goes the family. As the family goes, so goes the church. As the church goes, so goes the nation. Let me read that again. As a father goes, so goes the family. As a family goes, so goes the church. And as a church goes, so goes the nation. What does that tell you about today? So fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and fear of the Lord. Fathers bringing up children. I was blessed to be in a home. There were six of us kids. And uh, my father read from the Bible every day. When he came to the Psalms, I thought, that's boring. I was a little kid, mind you. Well, God had to turn me 180 degrees, and the Psalms are my favorite part of the Bible today. But I simply say that um, when, when I had a family, my wife and I, we have four children, and, um, you know, t- in today's practice, it's pretty hard to get everybody around the table at the same time. Everybody's got, especially as they grow up, they have different schedules. So, and I had to... Um, I went before the Lord every day myself in the Word. I would study the Word, but then I thought, Lord, how am I going to incorporate the family with the crazy schedules that are out there? And as I prayed about it, Lord, show me a way. He did. It wasn't what I had thought of, but I was in a conference up at the University of Michigan um, that Pastor Murley and I and I think a couple other guys were up there, and we were staying in a house of Christian young people at the university, and they were you know, they were supervised by Christian parents, so to say. Well, when I got there, they said, okay, tomorrow morning now we're going to wake you up at quarter seven, and you're going to come downstairs because we're going to have a Bible reading and devotion. Before anybody. And what they did, they looked at whoever had the earliest schedule, and they backed up from there and said, here's when we're going to begin. We're going to begin at seven o'clock. I thought, whew. So, anyway, sure enough, the bell goes off at quarter of seven, go downstairs, and they've all gathered, and they have devotion. I thought, isn't that awesome? And they went by whoever had to leave the earliest, and that's how they gauged the time. And um, I thought, you know, if that worked for them, why can't it work for me? So when I came home, I announced that. And the um, first morning, I got them up, you know, and there was a lot of yawning and you know, why am I doing this kind of a thing? But um, persisted in it, and after a while, it uh, didn't take too long. I remember um, my, one of my sons who was in the second grade at that time, because I thought, oh, th- this is not working. Maybe I heard God wrong. But he said, Dad, aren't we going to have those devotions in the morning anymore? And I thought, oh, wow, you talk about God speaking. Uh, yes, we're going to start tomorrow morning. And we did it ever after. And um, the Lord used that, use it mightily, where we could share the love of God at that time, first thing in the morning before the first one had to catch a school bus and so forth. And I'm just saying that to you is if you are diligent and you want that kind of um, action in your own home, you can do it. God will show you how. He wants to bless you in it. Then I want to look at some of the promises that God has for children. Do we have some of those promises for the, on the screen? Um, I don't know if we have a new secretary, and I brought some of those in, so I wasn't sure whether we got the right connection or not. But anyway, if not, I'll go ahead and read them. Because God has promises that he wants to have for you, whether you're one who is an older person ministering to younger, whether your own children or others, or they can even be peers of yours, or whether you have a family of your own. But the promise to the generations that follow are awesome. They're just all over in the Bible. I could go on maybe for the next hour just repeating Scripture after Scripture, but I'll just pick a few of them. Oh God, Psalm 71, verse 17 and 18. Thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray headed, O God, do not forsake me, till I've shown your strength unto this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. That's the responsibility and the privilege he's given me as a father. Psalm 145, One generation will praise your works to another and declare your works. They will give you the glorious honor of your majesty and of your wondrous works. That's what your children will do or those that you're fathering. Experience the love of God through you. That's God's way. Isaiah 8.18 says this, Here I am and the children that the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me offer signs and wonders. That's what God hopes for the children being raised. He hopes for that, that there will be signs and wonders in our society Isaiah 59, 21 says, As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is in you and my works that I put into your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of their children's children. Wow, what a promise. From this time on and forever, says the Lord. Sometime... Not too long ago, uh, we celebrated the homecoming of a brother from among us. His widow is here today and his son, Joe Rimmer. And the testimonies that were given about him being a father, not just to his own children, but to others, the testimonies at that funeral service were very heartening. And I have to say, brothers and sisters, let it be an encouragement to you to encourage one another in that same way. You can do it. That's why he gives you the spirit of God. Let your work appear, the psalmist says, let your work appear to your servants and your glory unto their children. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, it says in Psalm 103. Upon them that fear Him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep His covenant, and to those who remember His commandments to do them. So again, these are some of the promises that God extends to families, to children and to children's children are yet to come. O Israel, Psalm 115, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. So what is your house? O house of... Why don't you just say out your name, your last name. O house of... Amen. The Lord is their help and their shield. You that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. And the Lord will increase you. What a promise. Will increase you more and more, you and your children. You are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. Wow. We will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. And I'll conclude with a psalm that's been meaningful to me. It's Psalm one twelve, and again, like I said earlier, the Psalms are my favorite part of the Scriptures. Uh, so we conclude with this one. Um, let's see, well, here's Psalm one hundred. First, let me do that one. First. For the Lord is good; his mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generation. If you allow it to, his truth will endure through all the to follow. Psalm one twelve. Praise ye the Lord. This is from King James, of course. Blessed is a man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments, his seed shall be mighty upon earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. The and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man shows favor and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid. He shall not be afraid. His desire upon his enemies, he hath dispersed, he hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. And I have to say, in light of the most recent news that we've all heard about, the um, setting aside of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court, how much more isn't it incumbent upon us as children of God to show love in these situations. There's going to be plenty of the opposite being poured out. There are promises to that end, at least, that, that have been stated. So I would just conclude by saying, Father, may your love be poured out anew upon us by the power of your Holy Spirit, work in each one of us, the work that Jesus would impel us to do, that we would be more like Jesus, that we would be the heart and the voice of Jesus to others that we can father and help in love. Bless all the fathers in this um, gathering here today. May they be especially blessed and those who will be fathers yet later on as well. May they, each one, experience the fatherhood of God in and through them. Lord, how we thank you and praise you. You are our God. We're your people, the sheep of your pasture. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving, your courts with praise. We're thankful unto you, and we bless your holy name now and forever. Amen.